what's happening saturday november 14th apparently when you do these things you have to remember to share that the date it's kind of important i don't think i did that yesterday until the end of the show which doesn't help people from what i understand i'm getting some some good feedback also thanks to my my good friend the marine out there who pointed out that yesterday's show episode five uh I think I had like five restarts and and published them with the main show. It's been fixed, but for those of you that noticed, uh, that wasn't a restart. It was actually me doing it a few times because I didn't like how it sounded. So, uh, rookie mistake. Hopefully, I won't do it again. But thanks for tuning in. Like I said, it's Saturday. It's the day of the MAGA march, the Trump march in D.C. Wasn't sure what to expect, but I knew it would be big. It looks like they didn't disappoint. It looks like it is in the million range, maybe more. Every photo cannot capture the size of the crowd filling the streets. Big shocker. No violence, no damage, no problems. Uh, We knew it. We've been saying it. And the good people in D.C. who on their own time took a Saturday from all over the country, probably all over the world, Uh, descended upon D.C. to let the system know, to let the swamp know that they understand what happened, that the fix is in, that they know the election was stolen. We don't know how exactly, but we're getting a pretty good idea, and we'll talk about that today. Uh, There's more details even since my show yesterday, but look at that crowd, and they open it by singing the national anthem in unison. How horrifying. Can you imagine uh, cancel culture and what they're thinking right now? What a disgusting display of blatant patriotism from our friends out there at the Trump march. And, you know, it's it's not a surprise. We we know who we are. Frankly, we're better people. And in any kind of march, uh, when you think in reverse, let's say Trump won in a landslide, which maybe he did based on what we're seeing, but let's say it was declared that, imagine what the march, air quotes, would be happening right now in D.C. We've seen it before. We've seen people receive federal time for property damage crimes in D.C. because it's a federal crime, and they learned that the hard way. So this would be a completely different scene. It wouldn't have the class or the uh, goodwill or positive message that our patriot friends have in D.C. right now. I mean, this is the right now, based on what the media has projected, that is the losing team in a peaceful protest in D.C. Nothing but patriotism, nothing but good cheer, nothing but just raw support for their president and a question out loud as to what in the hell happened. And I think this is a an excellent way to show President Trump and his team that we're with him, that we're not backing out of this fight. And I'm hoping people continue to donate. I know I have to WinRed and other uh, other sites and organizations that are funding the legal uh, the legal team and all of the lawsuits that are forthcoming. A few have been shot down, which we knew would happen in these local courts, and that's okay. We've also seen some interesting legal. Um, uh, maneuvers and one that's very sad we can talk about right now in Arizona. If you made the mistake of reading anything from the mainstream press, you'll see that Trump's legal team in Arizona resigned uh, because of you know problems within the law firm uh, with belief in the case that Trump has with um, personal issues with the uh, cause and, and not being behind Trump's lawsuit and, and against in trying to expose election fraud. That's absolutely not the case. What has happened with that law firm, and they're not, they're not the only one, is the how dare they cancel culture crowd has gotten hold of their identity and has started to harass not only the law firm employees, but they've gone after clients of said law firm, people that are, are clients and have no relation to anything happening with this election or any of the lawsuits that uh, Trump has retained them for. That's not 
that's not good enough for our good friends on the left. They want to destroy and attack these clients to make it impossible for this legal team to work for President Trump's campaign. And they succeeded in this instance. They made it so bad that they have backed out and Trump is going to find, I think he already has retained counsel that's even uh, more brutal and more bloodthirsty than these guys. So that's fine. We'll call it an upgrade. But just think about that. It's cancel culture again. It's the people that want to cancel your vote and they want to cancel any question you want to ask about how your vote was canceled, right? How dare you? How dare you sue us to find out what happened? How dare you ask for a recount or an audit of votes, even though there's evidence of severe impropriety around the country? That's not for you to ask. And so another example, uh, they will not stop. It's never good enough. And we know why they don't want us asking questions because they're afraid what we're going to find out. And it's not going to stop Team Trump. They're going to keep asking. They're going to keep finding legal teams that are up for this, such as uh, Rudy Giuliani's team. They, they are used to this. They've been down this road before, and um, they'll find lawyers that are committed to the cause and will do their job and work to expose this fraud. And we can only hope they find enough that the Supreme Court rules in Trump's favor and that we get audits and recounts that eliminate all illegal votes. Uh, fun thing happening in Pennsylvania now. So an update from yesterday, we talked a little bit about the 14th Amendment and what equal protection meant, right? Your vote is needs to be equally protected under the Constitution. This is a specific clause under the 14th Amendment, and it's based on the precedent of Bush v. Gore and, and how every vote has to be counted and accounted for in the same way across the state. You can't have different counties doing different things. And we have multiple examples, as we talked about yesterday in Pennsylvania, different curing um, procedures, allowing people to change their vote in Democrat counties versus not allowing them to in Republican counties and even letting people know their vote wasn't counted after the election, letting them know there was a mistake after the election when there should have been plenty of time for a Republican in this instance to change his vote. We've got a few people that have given examples, and we know it's widespread in some of these counties. Well, now you have the statistical attack going after the Pennsylvania fraud. I'm going to break it down for you as simple as I can. Gateway Pundit, they're an excellent source for news. Gateway Pundit has an article on their front page detailing uh, the insurmountable lead that Trump had that we know he had on election night and how it is literally statistically impossible for Joe Biden to have overcome that lead in basically a 24-hour period. And they broke down Trump's amazing election day turnout and compared statistically the um, rate in which he lost the mail-in vote. And that was expected, right? We know going in, based on COVID, based on the over, overall marketing message, if you will, the Democrats shared with their people, with their constituents, mail-in vote was going to be much more popular and more used amongst the Democrats. That was expected, and we knew Trump wouldn't win um, in mail-in votes. But we saw before Election Day, you can look back at statistical um, websites that track North Carolina and Florida. One was actually called Joe is Done. You can look it up. They looked at early voting and mail-in voting, and I was tracking this ahead of time. Trump was way overperforming expectations of the early uh, in-person vote and early mail-in vote in both Florida and North Carolina because those, those votes, that information's public record and updated daily as you lead up to the election. So you could actually watch it. And it, it was a pretty exciting thing to see because in those two states and in many counties, we saw Trump overperforming any really not only expectation, but pipe dream his, his campaign had. The best example was Miami-Dade County, where he we knew he would probably lose, but we saw an almost even tie going into Election Day. And, the, and, the, and they knew, the Democrats knew based on the early vote, 
they were toast in Florida because they had to have a gap going into election day. They had to build up a certain lead going into election day uh, that Trump could not overcome with in-person voting. He was almost tied in Miami-Dade, and I believe he ended up winning it when all the votes were counted. And we, of course, we saw, although the uh, the wonderful media wouldn't call Florida when they should have, that it was a it was a slaughter that he won it, um, you know, by six points. Now I think the tally is at least five. And and when you think of Florida, you think of the close races in the past, a six-point win, uh, just like he won nine points in Iowa. Those are those are just absolute blowouts. And so we were able to track it. And then all of a sudden you get it to states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, where, by the way, Michigan you could track too. He was doing very well. All of a sudden these leads are eviscerated on election day with mail-in votes being tallied. And so when you look at Pennsylvania, you look at the 700,000 vote lead. I'll break it down for you. On election day, this is what Trump built his lead on. Two out of three voters in Pennsylvania went for Trump. Two-thirds of the vote in person on election day went for Donald Trump. If you take out Philadelphia, he's at 80%. That's how strong the turnout was. So with Philadelphia, it drops it down to two-thirds, essentially 60%. Okay. Now, you take the mail-ins that were counted starting election day, 80% of the mail-ins went for Biden. So there were 2.5 million mail-in votes. Two million of them went for Joe Biden. That's incredible, right? Now, why is that in question? In almost every county, I looked at the numbers, the stats are available on Gateway Pundit. Every county, Trump was given precisely 40% less mail-in votes than he received on election day. Statistically, it is impossible that that would repeat organically across every county in a state like Pennsylvania, but it happened. So for instance, like in an Erie County, if Trump won 60% of the election day votes, he was awarded 20% of the mail-in. 70% of election day votes in a different county, then he was awarded 30% of the mail-in. That margin is repeated impossibly across all of these counties. I believe it was a little bit worse in Philly, which is understandable because they even said if Trump could pull off 25% of the Philly vote, he'd win the election. He got, I believe, when all was said and done, around the 18%, which is still an improvement over what he did when he defeated Hillary and what he did in Pennsylvania, or, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. But think about this. It's not statistically possible to have that same margin, that same comparative percentage of election day votes and mail-in votes, and it happened in Pennsylvania. To give you an example, Arkansas's mail-in vote difference compared to election day votes on election day uh, for Trump varied anywhere from 2% to 4%. So there were some counties where Trump had a giant turnout where he just he, he destroyed Biden in, in a county in Arkansas and got 90% of the vote and still pulled 70% of the mail-in as compared to his 90% of election day. So the, the, the nerds are all over this in Pennsylvania. And you look at something and just step away from the specific numbers. Two and a half mail-in votes and two million of them went for Joe Biden, 80%. Um, we knew Democrats would outperform mail-in, but is it believable that they would outperform that much? So really keep an eye on how they break down these stats. And as we get into other specific issues in Pennsylvania, this is just another part of the case, another argument that Giuliani's team has in Pennsylvania as to you know the scope of this fraud and what happened as they dig into what's going to be an audit. They're going to look at these mail-in votes, and I'm confident they're going to find a significant number of them to be illegal. And it's a big lead, but not insurmountable when you're talking about uh, two and a half million votes that are going to get looked at. doesn't need to have a big shift uh, when you start um, looking at the legality. And if you take out a percentage of those, Trump's going to have the lead 
in Pennsylvania. Now, uh, we talked about Trump's legal team in Arizona. Uh, again, this is not going to be the only issue. They're going to go after the Pennsylvania teams, the Georgia teams, uh, the same way. Apparently, it's already happened. Fortunately, uh, it's you know it's only affected the Arizona team, and um, you know they've been replaced. And I'm sure the people making the case in Arizona, and I'm not familiar with what exactly they're going to charge. There've been a number of accusations, but they just finished that count, and now they're looking at what kind of recounts. Uh, they can um, they can request based on the close razor thin margin in Arizona. So um, again, brace yourself because this is going to get nastier um, as this data from Pennsylvania reaches the mainstream press and people start seeing things go Trump's way even more in Pennsylvania. Like I said yesterday, he already won uh, with a judge in Pennsylvania who ruled in his favor in Trump's favor that all the votes received after 8 p.m. on November 3rd are to be tossed out, not just separated and counted separately, but that they are illegal. Now, that's not enough to make up the margin, but it was a huge win uh, for for Trump, and I expect more when we get into the specific nature of this. Of course, the wins that matter are going to be the ones with the Supreme Court. As you probably know and saw, Georgia is auditing their votes. That has started. We have to keep a close eye on it. Nothing, it's airtight, so there's not anything that I know of being leaked. Again, it's Saturday. I think it started yesterday morning and it's expected to go until Wednesday. So keep in mind, it's a it's a long, arduous process. And you got to think there are a lot of good people a part of that um, trying to trying to really save this election and make sure uh, whatever shenanigans, whatever crap was going on in Georgia is exposed. And I believe when they look at um, Fulton County and I can't remember the county that encompasses Atlanta, they look at those areas they're going to find uh, a real mess with these mail-in votes. Can't guarantee it, um, but when we look at the numbers, we look at, again, all of these votes, these giant leads that occurred in the dark of night when we took our eye off the ball, uh, something's up, right? Something is beyond shady, and you factor in the mail-in vote issue with what we talked about with the Dominion systems. I mean, there is a full-court press to protect the Dominion voting machine. I think by this morning, if you didn't know any better, if you were from overseas and you went and Googled Dominion voting system, you'd think it would have been designed by Jesus Christ himself. This is the absolute most fail-safe, immaculate, perfect-running computer system in the history of a server. Yet when you get to the real news and people that are actually caring about the facts, you're finding that servers tabulating these machines were not even located in the United States. There's a, you know, you've got a Canadian company involved. You've got a whole mess when it comes to how the information, um, the, the information that should have been secured live and ongoing on election night was not secure at all. Um, I'm expecting more details um, probably by Monday. Keep in mind, the news cycle is going to slow down on the weekend, even if Trump's team has something good. And I think they're going to start leaking even more, more than Kaylee McEnany has on Fox News, um, you know, really not Fox News, but only on either Tucker or Hannity. They're going to leak some more next week, and I expect we're going to see more from Dominion. We're going to see more uh, specifics as to what kind of fraud we had in those statistically impossible numbers in Pennsylvania. But really, to break it down again, Dominion was rejected by Texas. Uh, the leftist, the, the, you go as far left as you want on the press, and you research Dominion voting systems before November 3rd, it goes back a couple years. It actually goes back to 2017 
systems like Dominion, Dominion itself, were being destroyed by the press as being not secure and uh, frankly not good enough to um, really hold the confidence of the American people in an election. So we have documented sources already leading up to the election trashing the reliability of these Dominion systems. But of course, as soon as Joe Biden has predicted the winner, they are the greatest computer system ever invented. They're absolutely flawless. And how dare we question them or ask why, um, why you know, hundreds of thousands of votes could possibly be switched when literally the documented problems in congressional hearings by computer software experts, election software experts, there is one that said vote switching was one of the concerns. You can get into this system. It doesn't require a hack at a polling station, gain admin access, and switch votes. You can delete votes. It's a computer. It's it's probably doesn't have a processor any better than your iPad. It's literally a counting machine. How sophisticated does it have to be? So you tell me, you're telling me you can't manually make changes? Of course you can. And if you're the person or the people in charge of managing those systems live and before and after an election, and you have to be good enough to make sure you can understand the system logs and check and make sure there aren't any critical errors, you're telling me that those people don't have access to make changes? Oh, it may be two in the morning? I mean, we've, we saw it. We saw one. There's an example on YouTube of somebody filming their TV during election night, and as the votes scroll on the bottom, as the tally scroll on the bottom, Pennsylvania flipped 20,000 votes from Trump to Biden. Literally within a 30-second time frame, when the Pennsylvania results refreshed at the bottom of the screen during the newscast, Trump had lost exactly 20,000 votes. Biden had gained. This is a computer. We can do it. Calculators do it. It's simple stuff. So fortunately, or typically, these systems have logs, and those logs should be available. And as soon as Trump's team can gain access, they should be able to see a record of any kind of change made to that degree. We're talking big time votes. And again, this doesn't, we think about what we have with 138,000 vote dump in Michigan in the middle of the night, all for Biden. We have county turnouts that are just way above and beyond, only in battleground states. Uh, what Hillary achieved, Biden all of a sudden is going to outperform the first female presidential candidate, but only in battleground counties in the big urban areas not in the non-battleground counties and urban areas like Los Angeles or like Chicago, but in Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, massive turnout. I mean, just absolutely eclipsing Donald Trump like, like Biden's the Messiah himself. He's clearly a better populist candidate than Barack Hussein Obama ever was. And again, we know it's not true. We Get away from the data. Let's look at what we saw. The guy couldn't fill a 20 by 20 foot room. He couldn't fill 20 seats at Warm Springs in Atlanta when he awkwardly walked down the garden way to a local jazz song. I mean, I think they were playing Come On Back to Georgia, and it was like a, a, a weird lounge act with like 20 people clapping standing in the middle of white tape circles. If the guy wasn't a communist collaborator, and we didn't know at the time that he'd worked with China and leveraged his position as vice president, we might have felt bad for him. I remember feeling bad for him a few months ago. That all stopped when the guy sold out to the extreme left, took Bernie Sanders and AOC on, and basically let them hijack his campaign on the name of winning before he dies. Because that's what this is. This is a legacy play for Joe Biden. He never had a chance the three times he ran before, never got close to being nominated. 
Many of you don't know that one of the times he had to back out, it was because he plagiarized a speech. No one denied it. This wasn't an accusation. The guy was so dumb, he couldn't write his own speech. He plagiarized something that had been written before, and he got burned. But the left forgets. They actually promote failures. I mean, you look at the people they run. It's incredible. They don't promote their successful within the party. And frankly, in recent years, when you look at results, there's not a lot of success. They promote failures. But this was the year Joe Biden earned it. He was the senior statesman. They didn't think they had a snowball's chance of beating Donald Trump, and they didn't without COVID. Then all of a sudden, COVID drops out of the sky, just like Jane Fonda said, big gift. And Joe Biden has a path to victory because it's tough being the incumbent during a pandemic. Obviously, that's never happened before, but it's believable. But even running up to the election, you look at 57,000 people coming to Butler, Pennsylvania, you look at the rallies, you look at the early vote numbers, you look at the polls, the people that polled the states and got it right in 2016 all had Trump with a lead in the battleground states, with a lead. I mean, they were tightening, but you look at Trafalgar, Robert Kahagi, he had Trump with a lead in Arizona, with a lead in Michigan, airtight in Wisconsin, a lead in Georgia, a lead in Florida, tied in Pennsylvania. Except vote day comes, all of a sudden ballots are showing up, mail-in ballots like in Pennsylvania, and Trump's eviscerated. And these pollsters who know how to factor in the shy Trump voter have accurately done it. They know how to factor in low propensity voters, voters that haven't voted before or maybe once. They turned out in droves for Donald Trump. 20% of the attendees on average at his rallies were registered Democrats. 20%. Another 20 to 30%, depending on the rally, had never voted before, hadn't voted in years. They showed up for him. So these weren't right-wing Republican-only events or phenomenons. These were actual movements. And Trump managed to be, as the incumbent, the rebel, right? The comeback guy. The, the I mean, frankly, the, the challenger to the establishment again, because we saw what they tried to do leveraging COVID. And I think he successfully nailed that message. Hopefully he knew what was coming. We didn't. I didn't see this. We know locally, we know Philadelphia, we know some of these cities, there's election cheating, there's election fraud. But I didn't anticipate the scale to which the cheating would occur. And I think they overdid it. We talked about the candy yesterday. I think they grabbed too much. And I think when or if uh, and when Trump's team has access to the results, they'll be able to make a case that there was such a massive pattern that some of these elections in some of these states just simply cannot be trusted, that they're, they're just spoiled completely. And you know, I'll mention it real quick, like I did before. If that happens, then the Supreme Court, based on the Constitution, right? I mean, we are the party of the Constitution. <laughs> We're not going to change it or deviate from it unless it's amended in Congress. The Constitution is very clear on what happens if the election cannot be certified in about a month. It goes to the state legislators. They have a delegate that favorably, heavy, uh, heavily favors Donald Trump, I believe, 31 to 19, if it goes to what's called House delegates. I don't think I explained that exactly accurate yesterday, but there's 50, and the state legislators pick those from each state. So each legislative body picks their delegate. 31 of the states have Republican majorities. The other 19 have Democrat. So it's a big win if that happens. If the Supreme Court says it's going to the states, pick your delegates, that's a huge long shot. But just know constitutionally that's a win for Donald Trump based on um, all of these Republican um, legislations around all, of all 50, there's 31. But I think the real path is having 
enough fraud and enough illegality to take chunks of these votes and have them not counted. Because again, I've stated this before, illegal is illegal. A vote that's just a little bit illegal versus a lot illegal, I don't give a damn. Both gone. Adios. Bye. Oh, but that one's just, not. Nah, doesn't matter. Your vote doesn't count. It's in the wrong envelope. You can't verify it. The signature looks like crap. It's not a vote. But, but, but not, a, not, a, not a vote. Sorry. And that's what needs to be happening in these audits, right? We need to have real ball breakers on the Republican side questioning everything. Wait a minute. That's all oh, mail-in votes. We'll look at those for sure because we need people doing real signature verification. And from what we hear, that was lightly applied in blue counties in battleground states. Not anymore. It can't be the case. They've got to go through this with a magnifying glass, with a fine-tooth comb, and follow the law, the election standards set by these states. It's very clear. It's not left to interpretation. Unfortunately, it requires humans, when you're talking about a manual recount and audit, there's going to have to be judgment, and there's probably, imagine, compromise. It's like picking a jury and two legal teams. I don't know. Uh, it's a little bit scary when you're the loser of, as far as being declared, who's declared the winner, and you have to make this up. We are relying on human beings and human error and judgment. But the numbers seem to be of a scale and scope that it's even a percentage. We're talking 10 20% of these hundreds of thousands of votes. If we cut into that and show enough illegality, we've got the, we've got the lead. Rand Paul uh, made a great suggestion. He said, take samples of these, large samples, and do a study, right? Look at 1,000 mail-in votes, maybe 5,000, before you go counting them all, and see what kind of rate of impropriety and illegality you have amongst that sample. That makes a lot of sense, because if you take, let's just take 100, and 20 of them are bad, you got a problem, right? If you're in the 20% range, you got a problem. Because we know, they look at percentages of rejected uh, mail-in and absentee votes this year, Typically, every year, um, it's in the 3% range, right? So if you have 100 mail-in votes, three get rejected. This year, it was less than 1% across the board, especially in these battleground states. Think about that. It doesn't sound like a lot, right? But if you're talking 2.5 million votes like you are in Pennsylvania, a difference of 3% as compared to 0.7% is, we'll just say a lot. I'm not here to do math. You can type that in. But it's more than enough to make up a margin like that of in Pennsylvania. You got Georgia, I mentioned this stat before, approximately 98,000 votes in Georgia, mail-in votes for Biden only. Guess how many Trump-only votes there were in Georgia? 900, just shy of 900. So almost 900 for Trump and 98,000 for Biden. 98,000 plus, actually, voters decided to get their mail-in ballot out, waddle around and find a pencil, sit down, ignore Netflix, and fill out a ballot and quit when they got to Joe Biden. And then go through mailing it in and, and doing the proper seal envelope and security envelope, have their wife, spouse, significant other witness it and sign off on it, and went through all that and they just voted for Biden? That doesn't make sense. I mean, if you're, if you're going to do it, you're going you're gonna to throw in a few more bubbles, not just for Biden. I, I feel like if you're cheating to that extent, toss a couple votes the way of the Republicans, right? I mean, who cares? This is all about Trump derangement, right, and getting rid of bad orange man, Take a couple extra seconds, a half a second, and you'll fill out the answer C a couple times, right? I mean, I know they're in a hurry when they're cheating in the parking lot and they're trying to fill out fake ballots and fake, you know, uh, get them in envelopes and get them counted. It's not easy business, right? I mean, you're trying to do this at one in the morning under a parking lot lamp, right? A street light up against a Biden-Harris van, which we have a solid witness affidavit sworn 
uh, to that effect, saying exactly that happened. This lady actually walked by five times. And the fifth time she walked by, they made like a human wall to block her view as they're filling out ballots in the parking lot. That's not easy work, right? They're, we're try, they're probably going to do a few thousand. So I guess, you know, when you're trying to do a few thousand and, and really hashtag make a difference, you're just going to fill out for Biden and move on. Because who do you, what do you care, right? Because these people aren't used to accountability. They don't like accountability. They're liberals. They don't like to be questioned. So how dare we even ask them about their cheating? I'm probably going to be yelled at for criticizing the method within, with, with which they cheated, right? Think about it. If we get this, if Trump wins this and exposes massive fraud and impropriety, they will call us racist, bigot, homophobes for negatively criticizing their cheating, for calling them out. How dare you take away our cheat? We work real hard for this. It's just, this is where it's going to go if he pulls this off. And I say if, I have confidence, but I'd say at best it's 50-50 because the courts, even with all the evidence, if it gets presented, as I think it will, they have to, they have to make a stand here. And they're not supposed to factor in the absolute re and screech that's going to come from the left. I mean, look at what's happening in D.C. today. An absolute beautiful event, a protest the way it should be. And I'm not talking about what we're protesting. I don't care what you protest. The First Amendment allows you to protest, frankly, just about anything. But how you do it matters. And if you want to see exactly how it's supposed to be done and how you're supposed to change hearts and minds with activism, turn on the TV and look at the Trump march in D.C. today. That's how it's supposed to be done. And those are our people. And if you're from the other side listening to this, and eventually people will, and this upsets you, I don't care. Upsetting you makes me happy. You deserve to be upset because you didn't even vote for somebody. You voted against someone. So if it upsets you that people are happy and peacefully protesting in D.C. and making the other side look good, so be it. Maybe you should join our side. Maybe you should start listening and actually questioning the ridiculous things you might have learned in college or what you might have learned on Twitter because that's where you probably got this nonsense. And if you're watching channels like CNN, there's no consistency. There's no actual honest question about what's good for this country being asked. They're just telling you. So if you're upset because I'm calling you out, that's fine. I want you upset. I'm here to upset the other side because there are two sides. There is no unity. There is no truce here. I'm right. You're wrong. My team knows what it wants because it wants greatness for everybody. And we're not going after different demographics. We're not saying, oh, great, we, did, we, did impro- we improved with African-Americans or Latinos. No, we're building a giant tent of beautiful inclusion of conservatism and now Trumpism. And that's for everybody. That is inclusive of everyone. If, if a group wants to call themselves Latinos for Trump and come on and get on the train, wonderful. All the merrier. If they want to label that, that's their right to do. We're not doing it. We look at everybody at the same. I don't care what, what, where you're from, what your nationality is, what your race or creed is, what your religion is. If you want in this tent, you can join. And if you want to see what that's like, turn on, I hope Fox News, but definitely Newsmax, OANN, and other sites and see the millions in D.C., demonstrating what Donald Trump and Trumpism is all about. And that's what I'm going to close on. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm watching the news for you guys. I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, things are growing already. I think this is number number six or seven if you count an update I did. And I'll do those on occasion too. But I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, my email should be available uh, via any podcast you're listening on because we're up on Apple now, Podbean, uh, Spotify, and I believe uh, Google Podcasts as well. But the email is EIP as in Paul, NET1776 at gmail.com. Thanks again, and you guys have a wonderful day.